Welcome to The Spirit Explodes with Roger Kirby. This is study 8 in the book of Acts, from Acts chapter 8, verses 4 to 40. Spirit and Word This chapter gives examples of outreach to the outer fringes of Judaism, before the start of the main effort towards the truly pagan Gentiles with the conversion and commissioning of Paul. To the north, the Samaritans practiced a variant form of Judaism, using only the first five books of the Old Testament, and so were regarded as heretics by the strict Judaists. To the south, Ethiopia was a major kingdom in modern Sudan, the nearest black peoples and the only ones they would know about. Hence it was the end of the world to them. So these two episodes are carefully chosen to demonstrate the spread of the good news to Samaria and the ends of the earth, as it was put in chapter 1, and at the same time to explain two important aspects of what that news was and is. The first part of the chapter is about the Holy Spirit, warning all readers of how he can be misunderstood, and the possible dangers that can be incurred. The episode with Simon deals with the important lesson that the Holy Spirit is God, and not a thing that can be manipulated or bought. Simon himself is not as important as teaching a hundred years later suggested, when it elevated him into being the great example of black magic. What is important is what it says warning us about the ways that humans can try to misuse the power of the Spirit. We read chapter 8, verses 4 to 25. Those who had been scattered preached the word everywhere they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Christ there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs he did, they all paid close attention to what he said. With shrieks, evil spirits came out of many, and many paralytics and cripples were healed. So there was great joy in that city. Now, for some time a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great, and all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, This man is the divine power, known as the great power. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his magic. But when they believed Philip as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, They were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized, and he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. When they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. 
They had simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, Give me also this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Peter answered, May your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord Perhaps he will forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. Then Simon answered, Pray to the Lord for me, so that nothing you have said may happen to me. When they had testified and proclaimed the word of the Lord, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many Samaritan villages. Question 1. What was the difference between Simon's magic and what Philip did? Modern magic, where the speed of the hand deceives the eye, will mainly be a third category. Simon's magic was a commercial venture by which he lived and on which he depended. Evil black magic. What Philip was doing was something that happened because he was proclaiming the Messiah. Those whom Simon treated would find that they were open to evil spirits. Those whom Philip treated were potentially able to move into the grace and joy of having the Holy Spirit within them. Here the Holy Spirit is only given when Peter and John went down to the city and hence receipt of him followed some time after the converts were baptized. We are going to see, as we work through the book of Acts, that there was no single point at which the Holy Spirit came to the converts. It could be at, before, or after baptism. It sometimes, but not always, came when the apostles were present. It might, or might not, include the laying on of hands. Question 2. What should we conclude from that great variety of situations? There is no one essential way in which converts should be treated. The Church has always been free to think out what is most appropriate to the times and society in which it is operating. Question 3. How do we recognize when and if the Spirit is given? We don't have to recognize it. It is given to those who set out to follow Jesus, as he promised, whether or not the signs of what has happened are obvious. Having said that, we should certainly expect a certain lightening and lifting of the person's spirit as they start the life of discipleship and then the beginning of that discipleship.
Question 4. The power of modern-day ministry is attractive to certain personality types. To what extent can they fall under the condemnation levelled at Simon? This depends on the culture. It may be purely as a way of earning a living, as in the case of Simon, and it can be an exceptionally good living for some evangelists operating on television. Or it can be a love of power. There are a few easier ways an adult can get a group of adults listening to what they say with keen interest than becoming the pastor of a church. In neither case is the person's heart right before God, as Philip put it. Their condemnation is the same as Simon's. The second story of this chapter is subtly different, and obviously carefully chosen to be complementary to the first story. We read chapter 8, verses 26 to 40. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Kandaki, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. The spirit told Philip, Go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I? he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The eunuch was reading this passage of scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before the shearer was silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture, and told him the good news about Jesus. As they travelled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptised? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptised him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared in Zatos and travelled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Question 5. Identify the two main actors in the conversion of the Ethiopian. Which is the dominant one? Which was dominant in the story about the conversion of the Samaritans? What should we conclude from this? The two main actors here 
are the Spirit and the Word. Of these it is the Scripture that is dominant in the conversion of the Ethiopian, the Spirit only having a role in relation to Philip. The story of the Samaritans was strongly centred on the role of the Spirit as the direct agent of their conversion. Luke clearly wants us to see that these are the twin actors in conversion. We are to come to faith as a result of the word, read or heard, and will then come into possession of the Spirit, who will take our faith lives forward. The story of the Ethiopian is full of coincidences. Philip going that way, meeting the Ethiopian, hearing him reading that particular passage, having room in his chariot for another person, and so on. Question 6. What is Luke telling us through this? I called them coincidences for want of a better word, but these were actions of the Holy Spirit, as is made clear. He has a major role in every conversion, even although, in our own case, we may not understand what he did until long afterwards. This man was important, unhappy, and unusual. He was black, though their world was colour-blind in a way that our world, unhappily, is not. He was unable to become a Jew, because he had been castrated. He came from the only part of sub-Saharan Africa the Roman world had any contact with, and so was representative of the peoples from the end of the world. He was reading from Isaiah chapter 53. That he was uncertain who it was about is not surprising. Isaiah himself seems to be unable in his passages about the servant to make up his mind whether he is talking about a person or a nation or a person personifying a nation. That Philip related it to Jesus is also not surprising. It has been argued that Jesus himself regarded that chapter as the blueprint for what was to happen to him. Question 7. Why would the Ethiopian have found this passage particularly appealing to him? He had been led to the slaughter when he was castrated. He had been humiliated and denied justice. He would have no descendants. His life had been taken from the earth. The Ethiopian was a decisive man. He did not hesitate, saying, I will think about it. He heard, he decided, he rejoiced. His is a good example to follow. Things were most probably not developing the way the small group of apostles back in Jerusalem had expected. Question 8. In what ways is that true? The followers of Jesus, except for the apostles, probably protected by their status as holy men, had been spread all round the countryside as a result of Stephen's death. The apostles were not at the centre of the developments. Two of the deacons were, 
there were significant developments in surprising places like Samaria and the road through the wilderness. Not all the converts were the sort of people they would have expected. The Holy Spirit was taking an active part in what was happening. The power of what happened in the Ethiopian's life is astonishing and thrilling. There's no way of knowing for sure, but the Ethiopian church claims that it started as a result of this guy reaching home and starting to testify as to what had happened to him. There is no limit to the potential power of those who receive the Holy Spirit as a result of following Jesus. Thanks for listening. Come back to Partakers, www.partakers.co.uk, where every day there is something added to help you in your life as a Christian disciple. Thank you.